Welcome to the Rough Road Podcast. I'm your host, Lee Steele. Today, I'm joined by a good friend, Ben Watson. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Tell Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Lee. Hi, Rough Road listeners. I'm Ben Watson. I uh, I uh, was in uh, Lee's church ward for my youth until I turned 18. Um, he was at one point part of the uh, young men's leadership. Right. That's what about what about you? What about you me. in particular? Uh, yeah. You well, grew up. Uh, Basically, grew up on the streets of Mesa. Right. No, you, you basically grew up out in uh, out in uh, Atlanta, didn't you? I, I lived there from when I was ten. No, yeah, ten to twelve. Oh, only a couple of years. Yeah. So two, before that, it years. was Utah. Right? Yeah, it wasn't. I wouldn't Did say you guys Georgia's live in like Bountiful? Hugely formative. My parents were born in Bountiful. I right. was uh, raised in Layton. Oh, okay. And then. Lived in Mesa most of my young adult life. Right. Uh, served a mission in Washington. And then... Spanish-speaking, uh, right? Hispano-hablante, sí. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, the past few years I've spent the school years out in Missouri going to Westminster College in Fulton. All right. Rural Missouri. Middle of nowhere. Yeah. Right now I'm... Uh, trying to save up money so I can finish my last semester uh, private college. Is what, what are you going to school for? Finance. Okay. The art of money. Nice. Nice. Or science of money, however you want to. So you're, you're only one semester away from like a bachelor's or an associate's? Yeah, bachelor's. a semester and change. I think I have to take like one or, one or two online courses. But Wow. Yeah, pretty close. Um, I'm paying my way with scholarships, but yeah. mm, not being a financial burden to my parents part of being a grown-up so right yeah don't you love being grown up yeah all these responsibilities <laughs> paying for my own gas <laughs> yeah yeah it's good well i i uh asked you to be on the podcast tonight because you've you've kind of struggled with um depression and and that sort of thing uh what at what point did you start having signs and knowing that you were depressed well i didn't realize it but according to my parents it was when i was eight nine years old okay um i think second or third grade now um i didn't think of myself as sad or depressed but right but they said you were they thought thought i was so they gave me uh (laughs) zoloft i think at first and then on to prozac i don't know i don't remember exactly what drugs but yeah i was on ssris at a young age i don't know if that had any long-term impact on my neurochemical balance, but um, I was on those for a few years. Um, when did you actually start realizing that you suffered from depression? Like you realized it, not being told that you were. Um, I think it was 14, 15, 14. I was in ninth grade, I think. And, okay. Um kind of the early part of the school year, I was just, I was doing fine enough in classes, not failing anything, maybe A's, B's, C's. Um, But uh, I um, I just wasn't happy or interested, and I I wasn't on, um, I had gone off any uh, medication for uh, three or four years. 
so early adolescence was um, unmedicated, but uh, and at that point, did you tell your parents, or did they know, or um, I think they picked up on it. I you know, I wouldn't do much. Like I'd come home from school, eat, like do a homework to, assignment or two, and then go to sleep. Room. Right. And I'd sleep on the floor on the bed. Like I'd sleep anywhere. Right. And, I still have that ability to this day. I can sleep on hardwood, sleep on <laughs> carpet, concrete. Work. That will go away as you get older, I'm sure. <laughs> we'll see. I used to be able to also, but I can't anymore. So let, let's preface this by saying that your dad is Matt. He's a Matt Watson. He's yeah, a, he's, he's been a therapist. on your podcast right. before. So long-time listeners of the Rough Road. And, right. <laughs> you know. So he's obviously he's he can diagnose that because that's what he does for a living. Um, Possibly, I think. Well, he can obviously yeah, see the he, signs of depression, diagnose, but he can't prescribe. Right, right. But I'm saying he can, he can yeah. see the sign. He recognizes the signs in that, and that's why yeah. he obviously said at you know eight or nine years old you were depressed because yeah, so he he would know the signs of that. I've gone to counseling. Um, at what point did you start counseling? When you were a teenager, or was it later than that? Yeah, um, it was primarily when I was. 13, 14, in 8th grade. Okay. Um, so before you really recognized that you were depressed. Yeah. Um, I don't... Did you feel like that helped? Did you feel like that helped you going to the counselor? Or, yeah. Um, or did you feel like, like it was a waste? We didn't just discuss like depression and sadness. There was also, um, I guess, ang- anger counseling. Right. I, don't, I didn't think I had anger issues. Well, Looking that can back, be... I still don't think I do, but... Any conflict with my brothers was very frowned upon, so... Right. I think that's one of the side effects of depression, too, is you can get angry and and that sort of thing. Yeah, like, on the emotional spectrum, typically you're on the, like, negative end, but there's low valence, which is kind of sadness, depression, gloominess, and anger, which is more high valence, but still not an enjoyable experience. Right, right. So you you went through your childhood dealing with depression. Um, what were your thoughts on that? Like how how did you how did you handle that when you realized you were depressed? Like did it make you angry? Like what were your emotions that went along with that once you realized you were depressed? There's confusion, and then that's followed up by its you know, confusion and more sadness, right? <laughs> Did you did you ever feel like you know the the poor me, why why do I get to go with, through the, this you know, um, why do I get to walk on this rough road or you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, yeah to some extent um, maybe some anger yeah toward did you ever did you ever get angry at God was that any or not really um. Yeah, kind of. Uh, why can't I be happy? Why can't I enjoy? Right. The <laughs> anything or uh, why don't I get along with people? Why don't I? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the questions. Right. I would, yeah. So, um, you get older, get old enough to go on a mission. You go on your mission. Um, kind of tell us what what happened there um, i mean i've heard bits and pieces of it. i don't know all the details but and you can get as detailed as you want yeah so um if you're not comfortable say, sharing say. parts of it don't share it i'm 
not trying to force it. That was 16, 17, I think. Um, my birthday is the first week of October, which is also the right. general conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And that year, they announced that uh, missionaries could, uh, young men could start going on missions at age... 18. 18 instead yeah. of 19. Um, so everybody got really hyped and excited about that. And it's like, okay, yeah. I, I mean, I wasn't like... I wasn't set on going at 18, but I mean, it's, it wasn't something that I wanted to put off either. So, right. um, had you always looked like, had you always looked forward to going on a mission? Like, did you always plan on going? Mm-hmm. And then they threw yeah. that monkey wrench in <laughs> and sent you in a year earlier. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't actually go when I was, uh, 19. I went when I was 18. Um, I went through like the missionary pre screening and everything and what have you when I was. Uh, towards the tail end of my senior year, and they said, mm, there's some unresolved issues. You should probably wait a little while. Right. I said, all right, cool. Uh, you said, whew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, to some extent, it is kind right. of a nerve-wracking experience. And um, So I went to college here um, in Arizona for a year. and then Where did you go? Westminster College Mesa, which Mesa. is its okay. own story that the college came in as part of a, a higher education initiative that the city put on. And then after uh, one year of enrollment lower than projection, it, uh, they pulled the plug. And that's why you went out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, that's why I returned to Westminster College, but this time in the Missouri campus. Right. Um, so, you, so they said you needed to wait because... Um, I'm assuming you had to fill out the paperwork and they asked if you had ever had any um, depression or Mm -hmm. anything like that. Yeah. Kind of your own little psych evaluation that you have to answer these questions, right? right? Normally it's actually my dad who does that for missionaries. (laughs) uh, You know, just to be ethical about it, uh, he had a third party uh, counselor that he's worked with, but not part of his... Yeah. Not part of his group. Yeah. So, because uh, he he's the, um, if anyone doesn't remember, he is the director at LDS Family Services, right? Yeah. So, so he's counseling. Like, he's like over all the counselors, right? In mm-hmm. fact, he's over more than just the counselors here, isn't he? Um, or he used to be. Yeah, I don't know if his, he is his now. role has uh, expanded and contracted right. over the years. But he's over the whole. I know he's over the whole office here in Arizona. Yeah. He's a big cheese, but. <laughs> So, because of conflict of interest, they, he subbed it out to somebody else, or they mm-hmm. subbed it out to somebody else. Yeah. And that counselor suggested that you wait. Then, mm-hmm. okay. So, how how did you take that? It's like, were you, you were, I would, I would, me personally, I think I'd be relieved. But um, at, at first, I was like, all right, I'll just go to school. I'll live my life, and right. it was okay until my friends started going at eighteen, and right. Flying off to all around the world, all around the United States, all around. And, no. And you're stuck uh, I'm here. Alone. <laughs> yeah. So I went, I mean, I went to the young single adult ward after right. a few months, but uh, I was still the pre-mission guy or one of the pre-mission right. guys, pre-mees or whatever. So you weren't them. eligible in the young lady's eyes. Something to that effect. Yeah. yeah. So you end up going out. So mm-hmm. you, you finally get out there. At what point did you go? How old were you? I was 19. Had you just turned 19 or no. had you been 19 for a uh, while? Close to uh, 19, eight months. 
Yeah, July, um, October, so 19 and 9 months. Okay, so almost 20. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, do you do you feel like that hindered you waiting, or do you think it was a, a benefit? Um, I think it was kind of beneficial. Um, Did you feel like you made progress with your counselor and such? Yeah. Well, in preparation to go? Mm-hmm. Because I'm assuming you had to go to a counselor then, right? Right, right, yeah. Weekly meetings, um Teaching you how to deal with it and yeah, just that. adjusting medi- like medication and right. making sure everything was fine on that end. Did you um, did you feel like you were really depressed at that point, or there was just signs that you struggled with it? Um, Obviously, you were honest with the counselor and said, "Hey, you know, yeah, I've been on medication I mean, for I wasn't, this." I wasn't lying to get just to get my application. Right, through, right. Yeah. But um, you weren't currently like in a depression, would you say? Or were you? Um, to some extent, I think my senior year, um, like prior to that, I didn't, um, I'd kind of tapered off, you know, medication and, um, I was taking higher level classes, um, pretty rigorous, uh, curriculum with the international baccalaureate program and, um, just wasn't maintaining a uh, school life balance or school. Like now we talk about work life balance, but. Right, eighteen-year-old me. That's school, school life, right. church, um, social life. Just it was out of balance a little yeah, bit. It was, How was it out of balance? Lots of schoolwork. <laughs> okay, so you did more school than you did extracurricular mm-hmm. activities, dating, or anything like that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we we had the joke that uh, like you don't have any. Uh, time to come up with bad ideas if you don't have any time to think for yourself right at the uh you know the ib was uh pretty uh rigorous and they'd schedule your life and you had to do um then just to make sure that uh in addition to all the studying you didn't spend your extra time studying even more they'd make you go out and do service and uh, made sure you engaged in uh, creativity or they have the creativity action service or cast right. program so you do something creative, you do something active, and you do service, and you're supposed to get, uh, you know, an hour of each of those per week. So, just so they're trying to acknowledge, like, hey, don't study too much, because that's what we right. know all these students want to do deep down is just spend right. their whole life studying. <laughs> that's every student's dream. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, time I got kind of overwhelmed and felt yeah. yourself dropping into a depression yeah, again getting down pretty much shut down kind of did either didn't do or did a mediocre job on my schoolwork and it well, got pretty bad i had perfect attendance though nice i had that once in my life yeah but i don't know i remember that time and i don't remember you being ultra negative or i wouldn't i wouldn't have known you were depressed yeah i mean I mean, I knew you struggled with it, but I didn't, it didn't, didn't I didn't necessarily show it. Right. And that's something because I've, I've struggled with it also. And, you know, that's one of the things is, you know, I didn't want, I didn't want attention that way. And so I would try to hide how I was feeling and Mm -hmm. all that. Right. And so, and, and there's a lot of people that didn't know where I was at, like, emotionally mentally during my bad yeah. time so i mean i've 
I think I'm willing to be open and honest with it, but I'm not necessarily wanting to portray Share it. woe is me. Right. Uh, Feel me, bad for give me. Give me special treatment. Right. Just, no, I mean... Um, like but that's where the, the end da- of, yeah. that's where the danger lies, though. When you don't, when you don't, because because yeah, nobody, nobody knows, on, yeah. right? And and if you're not showing signs of it, or at least to the people, your friends and all that, I don't know if they knew if you were or not. But if you're not confiding in them, you know, the odds of you know of you confiding in your parents is not not you in particular, but just in general. Yeah, you know, like. Uh, I, I had had some depression. I never got treated for it when I was a teen, but when I was a teen and I never, my parents had no idea because mm-hmm. I wouldn't share that with them. Right. Uh, there was many reasons why. Yeah. So I'm grateful that my dad has access to, you know, the knowledge right. and diagnostic criteria and just, he probably kept experience. a pretty good eye on you because yeah. of that. Yeah. Would he, would he check in with you periodically? Like, yeah. Hey, how you feeling? Mm-hmm. You know, how you handling this? He would kind of follow up with you. Yeah, he he did a good job. Um, sometimes I kind of got tired of it, and I'd right. just say, yeah, I'm doing good, when really I wasn't. Just, right. I don't want to talk about this more. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's bringing attention to you, and that's yeah. what you don't want, right? Uh, to some extent, I mean. Um, make him worry, make him... Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say that I was ever necessarily um, too... Shy or ashamed of it, but at the same time, I think the only time I really brought it up to actually, I remember like I did tell everyone at the end of my uh, like at the very end of my senior year, and people didn't they were like, Oh, okay, and, you know, people are like, Oh, yeah, well, that's something I struggle with too, and right, yeah. so you found common ground with them, mm-hmm. and you didn't get you didn't feel like you got judged by your friends or anything like that, no. If you did, they weren't your friends anyway. Right, so. right. That's good. So you get you get released to go on your mission. You get your mission call. You go. And then what happens? Uh, so I go to Mexico. Uh, I go to the uh, missionary training center there uh, to learn Spanish. Mm-hmm. Mexico is a good place for that. Um, and I have like a big three-month pre- prescription, a big bottle of... Uh, fluoxetine and SSRI antidepressant and uh, I'm down there and mom it's my mom is uh, very what's the word? concerned or yeah just a very um, prepared mother so she sent me with plenty of medicine and while I'm down there I catch some bug it's Mexico the air is not clean the water is not clean right yeah uh, so I Take uh, Dayquil, Dayquil, Nyquil, and that has a very negative drug interaction with the... uh, With what you were taking? Yeah, fluoxetine. So my blood pressure spikes, goes through the roof, and I start hallucinating, tripping out, and I end up in the medical bay, or like the medical building on the campus there, and like, don't do that. The, The doctor was like, yeah, so if you if you experience any of these, and he highlights all these, in the next 24 hours, come back, and he highlights, and it's like, oh, high blood pressure, hallucinations, bleeding, um, coma, death, and it's like, okay, yeah, if I'm in a coma, I'll walk back. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm dead, I'm going <laughs> to... 
pick myself up and walk back to the bay here. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll come back then. But uh, you stop. You stop taking it at that point um, once you start having those side effects from it. Mm, the Dayquil, I mean, or the Nyquil. Yeah, yeah, I did, but I still had it, and I knew, oh, I can get a pretty little, I can get a nice high off of this, right? Uh, which I didn't do for quite a while, but um, you know, I went on the mission, and uh, missionaries don't always have the best perception in the world, and they're not always right. treated the best in the world, and. Um, Judgment would be clouded a little bit because of it. Yeah. So, um, after a while, uh, it was a high stress. Um, because of the language, learning the language, did that um, contribute? You think, or no? I think I had a pretty good grasp on the language. Um, okay. They, the first six weeks out, they pair you up with your trainer, and the person right. who shows you the ropes on the mission is like, "Oh, you pr- told other missionaries, yeah, Elder Watson practically came pre-trained." He has a really good grasp on the Spanish. and Right. Usually that's the hardest thing is when you go foreign speaking is learning the language. Yeah, so I think with regards to, you know, the people facing stuff, I, I did well enough, like, with, with the people, but, right. you know, in private time it was... So did you start to get depressed on your mission then? Yeah. You started to feel the effects yeah. of it. Did you recognize it? Uh, to some extent, um, did you start like having the same type of symptoms, like not being yeah, happy, sleeping, and sleeping a lot, frowned upon, right? Um, yeah, just kind of feeling kind of alienated, um, within even missionary circles, um, like just feeling kind of outside and then kind of wanting to lash out, but no, like you can't really be edgy as a missionary. Right. Right. Well, you can, but you get sent home. Yeah. And you didn't want to do that, obviously. So So you start having these feelings and the depression starts to set in. So what's your course of action at that point? Um, I tried to push through. I went through that first area and, um, Excuse me. Yeah. Um, I found myself um, hallucinating. Because um, you took Dayquil and Eichel again? No, just... I, I would just start hearing um, whispering, screaming. Um, kind of. Did it scare you? Um, that would seem kind I, of spooky just... to me. Like, <laughs> kind of, they put us in an apartment complex that had some weirdos, so I okay. assumed it was just someone outside, or, um... How did you figure it, out you were hallucinating, then? Yes, um, your companion, did you hear that? And he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, I didn't really flag it as a hallucination, but, um, like, looking back at it, I definitely saw, like, figures where there weren't figures, or, mm-hmm. like, just shadows where there shouldn't be shadows right yeah audiovisual hallucination um yeah um just looking back on it from um what it eventually came down to was uh, they said okay just the ssri that you're taking you're getting what's known as serotonin syndrome where um too much serotonin yeah so your neurotransmitters are uh playing games with your 
audio. Right. Yeah. That's like, oh, well, that explains quite a lot. The, the uh, just general tiredness. Like, is that because the prescription was too much or too little? Um, what causes that? I think it, um, to some extent, I think it's the buildup. Um, and so tolerance. You're, load, you're loading it then is what's happening. Um, the leftover, whatever is left in your body from the day before, then you add more by taking the pill. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, it just, just, it loads it, right? Yeah. Just like any drug being on it for a long time, you get more of a, more of a tolerance to it. So it mm-hmm. may take a little more to have the same effect. And, so you think you weren't taking a high enough dosage then? Um, possibly. Okay. So did you, at that point when you started having these hallucinations, um, did, did you go and talk to a counselor at that point or did you talk to your mission president or how did you handle that once you realized, like, cause you said that they said it was serotonin loading, right? So who told you that? How did, um, how did that come about? That, that happened, uh, after the mission. Um, okay. So that was after. So, so during, I made it through six months fairly okay. Or, right. Um, I made it from August to December. Okay. Um, pretty well. And then I got moved to a new area and um, that had, you know, its own, like just up and moving. Right. That, that can be a little stressful. It wasn't like I wasn't dreading and I didn't think like, oh, this is the worst thing that could happen. Um, but uh, from there, I went... Um, I did kind of go into a slump, and I was having, um, you know, difficulty uh, getting up, staying awake in general, um, just a lack of energy. Um, Motivation? Were you motivated, or or did that go away too? Um, kind of. I, I don't... Like, once you were up and did your studying and did all that, did you have an issue going out and teaching, or... Or once you were up and out of bed and awake, then you were okay for until you came back for lunch or something. Um, I kind of frame the uh, like motivation as kind of fleeting and temporary. Whereas if you're disciplined enough to do something, you can do it, whether or not you're motivated. And I right. think I was, you know, disciplined enough disciplined to enough. get up and go out every day. But um, yeah, some days it was difficult. Some days I wanted to stay in bed. Um, Did you ever express those concerns to your companion? Um, no, not really. I mean, I, um, toward the end, I did start sending, telling my mission president, hey, I'm really not feeling well. Hey, I'm having dark thoughts. Hey, I'm uh, feeling like self-harm. And I don't. How close were you to that? To like, was it just a thought or were you like thinking of how can I do this? Like planning it. You know, um, do you know what I'm saying? I went through that same stage yeah. of, of, you know, dark thoughts and, and then, and it, and it progressed from just thinking stuff to start planning stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So I had crossed that line of depression. Like it, it got worse. Were you, what, what stage were you at? Were you actually planning or were you just having thoughts? Um, I'm, well, I'm not trying to minimize cause they're yeah, both I bad. Thoughts. Um, <laughs> I, uh, <clears throat> I, uh, I shave actually with a double edge safety razor that has, you know, the traditional razor right. blades that are sharp and, um, you know, 
like the disposable kind yeah the kind okay like big or whatever mm-hmm. or the it was probably like a mock whatever yeah. when you imagine someone slitting their wrist in a bathtub it's that's what they're using usually and okay um I didn't so i that. had access to that and um you know nice missionary belts and so i'm like oh i could hang or i could right or, um or I could just overdose on Dayquil. <laughs> right. So uh, I I did start taking uh, Dayquil kind of recreationally again and just... trying to self medicate. Yeah. Make um, it go away. Did Did you feel like that that made it more bearable? Is that um, what Is that what made you do that, or you just didn't care? To an extent, I didn't care. I mean, something that I was kind of ashamed of, like because makes me not effective. You know. Right. Taking that during the day, it's practically like I wouldn't be there. I, I couldn't be an effective teacher right. at all. Um, um, I did visit a doctor out there to uh, go, you know, get the get my prescriptions refilled, and um, yeah, I told him about that. And he's like, "You should uh, you should talk to a counselor about that," um, and. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. And I kind of pushed it aside because we had meetings to go to or whatever. Um, and I uh, didn't actually call um, uh, the counseling service until a few, until a while. Or actually, they called me. Um, <laughs> so he notified them. Yeah, he said, hey, this guy needs some help. And so... They contacted me and asked me, you know, what are you doing? And Did they do like a phone interview with you? Yeah. Is that how they counseled you? Yeah. And I said, yeah, I'm kind of just mixing prescription drugs. And <laughs> said, but it's no like, big deal. Like, Is that dangerous? And I'm like, mm, yeah. I'm like, okay, you need to go to a hospital just to get checked out. And I'm like, all right. So I went to a hospital and like, okay, I told my companion, go, we go everywhere together. Just, right. That's just the rules. Just, okay, I stay here. I'm like, uh, I told him, like, I'm engaging in self-harming behavior. I'm just having suicidal thoughts. And I sat down and they're like, okay, and we'll see you in a minute. And I sat there for So he was in like in the waiting room and you're in with the counselor? Uh, no, I was in the, uh, just, uh, hospital room right or but they came and talked to you just a partition actually he uh, wasn't in there with you though correct no okay he wasn't in there uh nobody was in there with me for half an hour 45 minutes and i'm like am i not being taken seriously right i mean okay so like, was that your way of reaching out kind of yeah well yeah letting people know like hey, right I, I need some help right yeah so at that point you you really recognized that you were yeah. Getting worse. Like, okay, I told these people, I'm going to hurt myself. And no one's... You didn't feel like they were taking it serious because they yeah. let you sit in there for so long. So I take off my belt and I uh, just put it on the bedside table. And I, uh, I Have you ever seen the Saratov Approach? No. Oh, it's a movie about two missionaries in Russia who get kidnapped. I've heard about it. Yeah, yeah it came out right before my mission, so that was... You know, on my mind, it's like, okay, what am I going to do with it? What if I get kidnapped? Oh, well, I'll just slip a razor blade in my wallet. And I can, you know, cut it and cut my way out of any tie. So I had a razor blade in my wallet. And I took that out and I put that on the table. I'm like, look, I told you I'm a threat to myself. Right. And 
you haven't done anything about it. And so I just set it there like, I can do this, guys. And, um, you know, a nurse came in and she's like, she had looked at the chart and we had some sort of discussion. So they bring in a, a the counselor eventually gets there. Um, we just had a, dis, just this, um, we talked and she's like, well, what are you taking? I'm saying, well, I'm taking fluoxetine and Dayquil and I know that's negative and, or I know that could have potentially disastrous side effects. And she's like, hmm, how do you know that? And I'm like, well, I, I know the drug interactions for the drug that I've been taking. And, um, she thought that was really weird. And I think, well, I think she thought it was weird. And so she said, okay, uh, at this point you can either, you're going to go to a, uh, what's the word? inpatient facility in, mm-hmm. uh, Yakima, Washington. And uh, you can either go there voluntarily or involuntarily. <laughs> what did you choose? Voluntarily. That's a smart move. Yeah. So you weren't gone enough to not to find him. That's good. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I was like, I left, and I told my uh, uh, companion that. Uh, I needed to talk to our zone leaders. They said, uh, you know, I need to go to a medical facility in... A different city? Yeah. <laughs> 50 miles away or so. Did they put you in a straight coat? No. They just put me in uh, They probably would have if you uh, if you fought them. I bet you they yeah. would have. So they put me in scrubs and... I'm... This whole time I thought that they did. No. I yeah, I just lost a little, little uh, hoorah for you. <laughs> no, no. I've never been in a straight coat. I think it'd be awesome for like two seconds. Nice self-hug. <laughs> yeah, self-care is important. Just learn to hug yourself. But <laughs> Yeah, they put me in this uh, facility and they had me change out of the missionary uniform. And at that point, they kind of taking off the badge was like, uh, okay, I don't need to feel like ashamed of what's going on now. Right. Just because. So you had a lot of guilt because mm-hmm. of your decisions you were making at that time mm-hmm. and you're what you were supposed to be doing there right yeah like um you know a missionary is not supposed to go through this and so um who says who says they're not well, why do you why do you say that because i assume that uh most people anyone who really got to that point would kind of open up to someone about it beforehand um well it's not like you were dishonest with them before you went i mean you did your due diligence and and they okayed it so yeah um i assume you still struggle with depression now right um yeah to an extent so Mm -hmm. it's not i don't think you need to feel guilty for uh you know missionaries aren't supposed to go through this look that's what you were that's what you get to deal with. That's right. the way it is, you know? Yeah, and it's uh, it's still there to, to some extent. I mean, right. the past few months, actually, I felt like it's been kind of a high point. Like if That's good. I guess kind of a peak and mm-hmm. um, keeps getting better, but um, I still acknowledge that it's, it's a roller coaster, there. though, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you, you go through peaks and valleys mm-hmm. and ups and downs and even, even... Sometimes there's kind of a broader kind of a trend, and so... Right. Um, so 
so they move you to this facility mm-hmm. and then they uh, do they lock you up or, or is it just in there like is it just you just can't get out yeah but you can like I mean, roam like you're not locked in like a yeah so i they picture like, like this white padded room <laughs> they threw you in no they just had you know <clears throat> eight beds in a men's room and eight beds in a women's room and um you know segregated showers like that and mm-hmm. then um did it feel weird? Kind of com- yeah, it was. It was pretty weird. Did it but, feel weird not being with your companion? Yeah, because you'd been with him for a companion for what nine months or something like that. Six Eight months, six yeah. months. So it was. It was different, and you know, I, I was in there for almost a day, and I, you know, it wasn't scheduled, and you know, I didn't have a lot to do, and they had just a common area with tables and. A, did they medicate you when you got there? Like, did they put you on some medications to help you with your thoughts and that sort of stuff? I mean, I was already on the medication. They made sure I they had access to it. But... They didn't change anything, though. They didn't add. They just made sure you were taking your medication like you are supposed to, mm-hmm. not taking DayQuil or NyQuil. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so you yeah. were you only in there for a day? Yeah. Um, then yeah, how did so... you get out? That What, what happened? Like, did your mission president guess, come yeah, and my bail mission you out? Like, came and, visited, came and busted the door down. He came actually the night the, that night. The night that it happened. So, how did that discussion go? Um, he said, "Well, usually when this sort of thing happens, uh, well, we talked about what I'd been going through and mm-hmm. really what all had happened." Um, and you had written to him because you're you're supposed to write letters to your president every yeah, week. So you yeah. had kind of opened up a little bit to him before mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Did he so not did, take it serious? I don't know. Um, I mean, you didn't talk about that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of missionaries, and I mean, you do have the mm-hmm. option to flag your weekly email as like high importance, but at the same time, there's 130 emails, right. 140, 50 emails that he has to go through. So, um, right. And he's a super busy guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. on one hand, I would have liked more, um, kind of more attention to my plight. And, and on the other hand, I acknowledge that, yeah, he's really busy. But if you would have wanted more attention, mm-hmm. don't you think you should have been a little more open with him earlier? Mm-hmm. So part, I mean, part of it's on you, part of it's on him. Yeah. And he's yeah. not, a, and he's not I'm, a therapist not or a doctor like, or anything like that. But Yeah. I'm not saying it's his fault, but it's. Right. You both played a part in it. Mm-hmm. I can understand you wanting more yeah. attention from him about it or more mm-hmm. maybe like, take it typically if you want to get something escalated to him you kind of have to go through your leadership and then right um for me personally talking to or you know kind of opening your up district my, leader your zone yeah. leader <laughs> okay this is what's going on and then well you could have just <laughs> i'm not going to share like, that <laughs> yeah i could have <laughs> i was i i was going to say you um i had an experience on my mission one of my companions took the car and left Ooh alone went to the mall you could have done something like that but that would have been a bad idea yeah i mean scratch that that's a bad idea don't do that <laughs> yeah i didn't want to you know have some cry for help right per se. but um you know going through um you know mission leadership i mean mm-hmm. these guys they came out when they're 18 they're younger than me right they uh they hear this from you know they hear oh, i want to go home or oh, i'm not feeling right. it from you know, lazy. Well, and then you got the rumor mill that starts with them because yeah, they're going to chat with their buddies. And yeah. I don't blame you. I don't blame yeah. you for not going so, that route. Okay. So the discussion you had with your mission president, did you, 
did did it end well? Like, did did you feel like he resolved yeah, this, I felt these concerns kind of that you optimistic, had? Optimistic, like, okay, this is a slip up. We'll get back and we'll get back to work. And right, that happened. Um, but did you 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 had said that you kind of felt like you wished he would have taken it maybe more serious or something like that when he came and visited you that night did you feel like it kind of got resolved that anxiousness or that regret that he didn't take it more serious i mean did you feel like it was resolved yeah addressed the burdens off my shoulder (laughs) right yeah um and then i also was you know i got my one phone call right Um, called my parents and told them what was happening and I think that was the first time in all the time I'd been out that I'd actually cried hmm. oh, kind of broke down there did what was the reason you cried uh, you, did you feel like you're letting your parents down is that why or mm-hmm. were you just embarrassed about your decision or what what was maybe all of it I don't know yeah the embarrassment oh, the uh, yeah embarrassment shame right. the guilt um, secrecy right your dad's a great man, though. I'm yeah. sure he just told you he's going to be all right and something to that effect, yeah. right? Yeah. He's, he's yeah. anybody that doesn't know him, which um, a lot of people that listen to this podcast do know him, but if you don't know him, um, he is one of the most non-judging people I've ever met. So I'm sure he's that way with, yeah. with you, too. So I'm sure you felt ultra-loved. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, at that point, did you know what was going to happen? Did you know that they were going to say you have to leave or anything like that? The the decision hadn't been made yet, right? That you had to leave the mission. Um, if it had been, it, um, you didn't know. Yeah. It wasn't privy to you. I was sitting there and I'm, you know, yeah. When did you find out? Outside contact. Um, so I, Spent the night, and uh, the zone leaders came back and picked me up uh, sometime the next morning, and uh, they took me back to my apartment, and they said, okay, yeah, you're going to spend the night at the mission home, and I'm like, okay, so I'm not gone yet. Right. They told me to pack up, so I packed up and uh, left behind my nice expensive winter coat, and I'm like, well, I'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, then I had a, you know, we met up with the mission president and he took us to uh, go go out to eat and get dinner and he sent them on their way and we went back to the mission home and he's like, okay, you're going to be flying out uh, tomorrow morning. and Your jaw hit the floor? No, I'm like, yeah, all right. Were you surprised or did you kind of expect it? Yeah, I kind of expected. I mean, right. I knew... I'd either stay or I'd go and I mean they they were just going to tell me it wasn't like I mean there's definitely the basis for going and there's right. a basis for staying and like, I don't I wouldn't say I was surprised kind of disappointed because I mean I didn't right. want to leave but um, but you need to get help and you can't really get that out there effectively yeah you may have been all right i don't know you may have been well enough to there may have been overreactions on some people's parts right right the counselor who said okay you're going inpatient (laughs) so you you get home 
Um, did you go into a deep, deeper depression once you got off your mission and got home, once they sent you home? Did it? Did, did you continue to go down that? Or or do you feel like you kind of stabled out and you know stabilized um, and started making the turn for the better? I think there was an upturn, yeah. Um, I got off loxetine because that was creating quite a neurochemical imbalance and um, got on to a few... Uh, you know, I cycled through a few different um, medications and I wound up on uh, an experimental, at the time, medication known as Trintolex, which um, I think it's an SSRI, but it kind of works slightly differently. And it made me feel different than it actually, um, just the first few days of taking it, it's like, oh, I feel like just every cell in my body is waking up, like, so it really worked with you? Yeah, it worked pretty well. I think it still works. I mean, right. still are you still on it now? Yeah. Um, over time, I've had to up the dose a little bit. But is it is it still experimental or is it legit now? I think it's been approved. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So you were part of that study. We got it approved. <laughs> you had to have been, right? Maybe. I don't know if it was like experimental at the time. Or I don't know if experimental is the right word, but um, yet not completely FDA approved. Right. So. I think it's all good now, though. That's good. <laughs> we know how the FDA is. Right. Yeah, they're some shenanigans sometimes. Yeah. Hooligans. <laughs> so <clears throat> you get home, you feel like you, they change your medication, you finally get on one that you feel like's working. Um, d- when did you start going to college, Westminster? When did you go out um, there? So I came back January of 2015. and. Uh, Were you planning on, because they gave you an option to go back to your mission, right? Um, they said I could come back at some point. Yeah. And you're like, I gotta go back to that apartment. I need my coat. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, you know, found, eventually I found a pretty good job working with an insurance company, just doing, uh, just request processing for documents and, uh, not really a glorious job, but something I felt that I was good at and, you know, enjoyed the company culture and, that was uh, nice up until uh, sometime late July when uh, they had some analysts come in and say, okay, uh, we, it was after the company had merged with a larger or with another insurance company. And uh, they said, okay, yeah, we can uh, cut the Scottsdale office. So they gathered everyone together and they said, yeah, by the end of the year, we're going to be phasing out the underwriting department at Scottsdale. And this could be a good time to go back to college. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it actually felt really similar to when they said, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be uh, phasing out the MESA program for Westminster. And I've been in this room before. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll go back to college. And it was pretty immediate there. Like, you know, my coworkers are like, oh, we're going to lose it. They're, they're crying and right. sad. As they, they well, it's because they're, they're like full-fledged adults, right? Yeah. Families yeah. and all that. I've uh, been in that situation them, yeah. where I lost. Yeah, I got it, it was sucky for them. Right. Yeah. For you. They, they like, didn't have, you know, well, six, I was th- six months to prepare, I, which was. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that was pretty good on the company's part. I had a day. They told us, and they sent us home that day. Yeah. <laughs> and then they give us a two-month uh, Yeah, I got operations kept package. processing for the next six right. months before they moved it over. So offshore. for, for the, all those coworkers that you had, it was like 
potentially life changing for them, like negatively. Yeah. For you, it was like, well, I was thinking about going to college. Uh, this just right. affirms that that's what I'm doing. <laughs> wash my hands. Right. So for you, it kind of had a positive effect, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it helped you make that decision because you didn't have this job holding you now. Yeah. So where were you um, emotionally when you went out to college? Mm, were you in a good spot? Yeah, I was kind of excited. Like, yeah, this is going to be great. I'm not going to have to live with my parents. I can right. stay up late playing video games. I can, right. you know, I'm going to be my own man. Right. Because... You know? I guess that's what most people feel the first year at college, but I lived at home my first year at college, so, so second year second at college. Year, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was pretty exhilarating, kind of. Um, you know, I, I had lived away from home, but I, as, as a missionary, you don't really have a whole lot of freedom. Right. You're expected to. You have a bunch work. of rules. Yeah. Someone telling you what you have to do. <laughs> How many discussions did you teach this week, yeah. and all that fun yeah. stuff. So you're on your own, but you're not on your own on your mission. Yeah, but. Yeah. I mean, you grow up, you, College you, freshman, you learn things. But. On my own, I'm, you know, paid for most of a car and, you know, felt really like an independent adult and felt right. pretty good. Um, so you, you get out there to Westminster, things are going good. Yeah. I think that first year I had a... Fairly good. Yeah. Some ups and downs probably, but nothing, yeah, nothing, nothing drastic. Say, yeah, emotionally drastic or even inhibiting. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a job. I mean, the coworkers were all right, but the fact that I had to work with kids on a bus was yeah. the bus aide, not the driver, the one who makes sure the kids don't distract the driver. Right. From, pretty rowdy bunch of kids from rural Missouri, <laughs> which they call it methopotamia. It's right. got a pretty severe meth addiction and or meth problem in rural Missouri that's kind of amplified the. Oh, opioid wow. problems and so some of these kids have parents who make questionable choices and i'm sure that creates a whole lot of home drama so right. these poorly behaved kids bouncing off the walls of the bus yeah just and you gotta define you gotta to wrestle them down. And like, <laughs> come on what did i ever do to you sit down come on stay in your seat so the first year went well first year went pretty well um yeah, I came home after that and got a job in insurance again, um, mm-hmm. you know, working with... A, a different insurance. Yeah, just at the agency level. Um, and I took that with me when I went back the next semester to uh, go... You got certified of some sort? Or yeah, I got licensed the, uh, or something. insurance licensing, so I was an agent, and I worked with an agency out there, and that was a part-time job, but still an adult job with adult responsibilities and adult stresses, right. and then... That coupled with uh, school, schooling. Westminster's not an easy college either. It's no, a, it's it's a pretty rigorous college. Right. Um, so you go back there, all these stresses start weighing start on your shoulders, piling up, right? Kind of social isolation. It's a small college, um, about a thousand students, and I'm LDS, and my roommate's LDS, but really we're that's not. That's about it. Yeah. So I, I'm. It has a very, very big percentage of students who are involved with the Greek organizations, and I'm not going to get involved with the frat for myriad reasons, financial, um, just... Just decide you don't want to. Yeah, they drink a lot, they... Right, they do stuff that you don't do, so... Yeah. So, 
Yeah, I don't think I'd really fit in with the frat, so... I mean, I didn't necessarily feel excluded, but at the same time, you know, everyone else in the hall is just getting wasted right. <laughs> for most of their weekends or afternoons. And then, um, you know, a working man trying to live a decent life. Right. Um, and eventually that starts kind of weighing down and start sleeping in and missing my 8 a.m. class. And uh, Towards the end of the semester, I, I did go and talk to the school counseling clinic and they're like okay well maybe it would be best if you withdrew from this or from your early morning class and that 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 worked out well and um, did that relieve enough stress to to kind of pull you out of the depression you're entering into mm-hmm. yeah it was a early morning math class so who needs math Psh. i mean it is relevant but at the same time <laughs> quantitative courses aren't, aren't necessarily my strongest suit so, right um just yeah that was that was actually a pretty big stress relief um but uh over the time my uh by the next semester i kind of felt worse and worse and um, so you were you were on a downhill slope at this yeah, point and it going. was affecting my job performance i wasn't doing very well with sales and um i mean kind of being part-time i think wasn't the easiest there um because, you know, with sales, it's pretty important to follow up within the next 24 yep. hours. And I'm working Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I call somebody on Monday and, you know, get everything going. And then I have classes the next Tuesday and drop the ball there. And yeah. Yeah. It wasn't the best. Um, so when you feel yourself going in this depression at this point, do you reach out to a regular counselor? What What's your course of action at that point? Um. Yeah, I did talk with the, I mean, they have certified counselors at the mm-hmm. school, which... Were that, you in contact with your mom and dad about this, yeah, what was going I mean, on? Were you pretty upfront with them? Uh, or Kind of. I mean, I didn't want them to... You don't want them to worry. Oh, he's a slacker. <laughs> his academic performances. You know. Right. Um, I mean, I, I did call him. We had a nice Skype call every week, but... Uh, I wouldn't say that I was 100% up front with them. Right. Um, didn't really let them know how bad things had gotten. Had you got to the point where you were thinking about harm again or anything like that? Um, no, I don't think I actually have really gotten to that point seriously contemplating it for um, for quite a while. But it did get to a point where I was uh, very low motivation and... Um, lazy bones as people would say <laughs> yeah, kind of having breakdowns I right know, like, just, if I was a crier I'm sure I would be crying in the shower right. but I was, I was just putting just my head down. against the wall in the shower and just standing there for yeah an inordinately long time so you were just <laughs> down you were just down on yourself down didn't yeah. know didn't know how to get out of it or didn't want to or something mm-hmm. to that effect so, um, at what point, I know at some point your dad comes out there and you guys, you move back to Arizona. Um, what, what spurred that? What, what made that decision? How did that come about? Um, there were several things. Um, cause obviously your dad saw something, your yeah. parents saw something. Um, I mean that, that summer I 
decided I didn't want to go back to Arizona. I liked kind of living independently of my parents. Right. Um, so I rented a room out there and just stayed working. Um, Did you work full-time in that summer? Uh, pretty close. It was like 34, 36 hours a week. Okay. Uh, most weeks. Were you still struggling with um, your work, though? Like your performance and all that? Um, or or had you A little bit. I think, it, I think it did get better for a while, but... Um, it did kind of slump as well. Right. Um, but I don't know that I was like emotionally miserable, but at the same time I was, uh, getting up, going to work. Uh, I mean, every once in a while I'd go grocery shopping or, I mean, I'd go to church and church events every week, but other than that, I'd be, uh, sitting at home just in the dark for four or five nights a week. Um, That's very counterproductive for depression. Anybody hasn't went through it. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that, uh, I just wasn't really doing anything. Um, right. But the fact that I'm busy. Yeah. And then that, that leads you down more depressed because you're not doing anything, staying busy. Yeah. Let your mind stew on the things that you're depressed about. Yeah. That's one of the things that, um, had to deal with because you know I was a little worse than you were (laughs) um not that my depression was worse that I but I was further along the process of it I was leaning on more on the side of hurting myself Mm -hmm. and doing that and so I really had to focus on staying busy and not because I had those same I had those same feelings and man, I just don't want to get out of bed today, you know, yeah. type of thing or, you know, get home from work. And like, I just want to go to bed. I don't want to deal with anything. I don't want to talk yeah. to anybody. And I feel myself pulling back and, and do all that. And so that's one thing that the therapist, um, your dad and, and Corinne really helped me realize that, Hey, you can't do that. You need, <laughs> you need to go and be busy. So, did, did anybody ever tell you that, like, you needed to not do that, or... I mean... Or yeah. They did, and you just didn't do it, or... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I knew that. Um, I I did, uh, you know... I mean, I did try to engage socially with someone at least once a week, but... At the same time, I wasn't, you know, eating right. I wasn't exercising as much as I should. You know? Right. Yeah. It's not the best lifestyle, but kind of enough independence that it wasn't something that I wanted to leave. But, you know, the fact that I'm paying rent every month made it harder to save up money so I could, you know, afford textbooks at the start of the next semester. And so right. skimped on that, made some mistakes. The next semester... I didn't do really well. I had to, you know, my dad came and visited in October. Um, but. Is it that the point where you kind of made a decision together that you were going to move back to Arizona? Uh, not quite. Um, I remember when he made that trip. <clears throat> yeah, it was. It was late October. Right. Um, During, like, around fall break. Yeah. Uh, He came and visited, and um, 
had some meetings and we've talked about expectations and okay if we're going to contribute at all to your college because you know they're paying for my car insurance and whatnot um this is what you need to do and said i could do that but um actually throughout that semester um we kind of had more uh just deterioration of mental health um maybe less were you still taking your medication though? yeah okay um Cause the times before that, when you would get off your medication, was it you just deciding you didn't want to take it, or was it um, them taking you off? It was kind of, yeah, it could be me deciding I don't want to take it, or uh, me just not wanting to take it, like right. not wanting my life to be governed by medication or right. drug. I totally get that. Yeah. I I take a lot of medication, so. But um, not for depression. Kind of less on the. I take it because I'm fat. Yeah. <laughs> less on the, uh, I mean, my mental health kind of deteriorated, kind of less in the depressive sense, but more in a paranoid uh, sense. And I, Paranoid about what? They're coming to get me. I Who? started having hallucinations again. And, um, Is it because you were loading on their medication again, you no, think? No, I'm, I'm still on it, um, but, um, you know... Just moving forward from the narrative to uh, next spring, I talked with a psychiatrist and he said, yeah, sometimes with uh, with uh, depression and stress that can kind of contribute to this uh, paranoid um, mentality and hallucinations that actually do resemble schizophrenia. And I did, and I did go, to the, go to a counselor and kind of open up with her. Did you feel like you had kind of schiz- schizophrenia? Um, I was, it was scary. I was hearing things. I was... Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of hallucinations and kind of this right. overwhelming paranoia. I've never and, had that with mine, so that that's interesting. I've yeah. never. Yeah, I mean, she thought it was schizophrenia. I'm like, okay, well, all right. I, can live with I mean, there's people in my family who do have, or um, in my extended family who do uh, have schizotypal um, disorder in there. No, I think. That's not the word. I think schizotypal is something else. But uh, struggle with schizophrenia. Yeah, something along those lines. Um, so, um, you know, my dad came and visited, and I didn't really open up with him about that. I just thought, okay, you can. It's. You thought I can handle this? Yeah, I thought I got okay, this. Okay, it was on me. Okay, stop drinking soda, sleep right, eat right. You know. Right. And, um, I did those things, but at the same time, it, like, I was still hearing things. It was still. Uh, Is it terrible. because of stress? You think then? You think that contributed quite a bit? Yeah. Yeah, you know, senior level classes, and then still having a grown up adult job working right. insurance, um, with you know, just long standing expectations that I was having more and more trouble meeting. Um, So then you, at what point did you, do you move back to Arizona? Uh, just after the end of that semester. When does the semester end? December? De- December. Yeah. Okay. So. so your dad came in October. In January, you come back. Mm-hmm. And then you've been here uh, a year then. Yeah. Right. Taking a medication to help handle any right. hallucinations. And, um, do you, how do you, how do you feel like you have been since you moved back to Arizona? Do you feel like you have kind of stabilized a little bit? Yeah. You? Um, I do. Yeah, j- just knowing how to get the help and right. 
um, just kind of being open and upfront with what I struggle with. Right. That's that's a hard thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I always found it really hard. There's only a few people that I could open up to because. I felt like if I opened up to some people, I couldn't open up with my wife because I felt like she would think I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. And I would end up in one of these places with a straitjacket <laughs> in a padded room. Um, <clears throat> and so that was always difficult. Um, so I, I I get the... I can understand the how hard it is to be open and transparent about how you were are emotionally and mm-hmm. and and maybe you feel this way maybe you don't I don't know I always felt like well if I'm honest with them then they're gonna wanna you know help me and I don't want their help I they're gonna they're gonna feel pity on me I don't want their pity you know do, do you ever feel that way um yeah I mean that was a concern I had like there's going to be, they're going to feel sorry for me and they're going to want to, I don't want people to think I'm crazy. Right. And I felt, I felt that same way. Both of them. I don't want the pity and I don't want the, man, he's crazy. (laughs) I, I actually, not to get off topic, but I actually was, um, super concerned because, you know, I was around Braden a lot more than you because I was actually his leader Mm -hmm. and we did, um, car stereo stuff together and yeah. stuff like that and more overlapping on the interest right and and so i was actually always super nervous that that you're not your dad but more that your mom would be like no he can't be with lee because he's <laughs> kind of crazy bad influence. yeah he, he's kind of crazy and i don't want my son around that and, and it was just me telling myself that i never heard that from anyone Um, I knew that your dad wouldn't, um, be that way, but I, I have my insecurities about people Mm -hmm. in general, just because of what I went through and what my interactions with people because of my disorder that I have. And so, um, how do you feel like you've, uh, what do you feel like you've learned through this experience, through this, going through this depression that you'll probably have for the rest of your life, by the way, (laughs) uh, Eben, um, <laughs> it'll have an ebb and flow, but, you know. Yeah. Um, um, you know, you kind of have to lean on other people. Right. It's not easy to do it on your own. Right. Um, do you feel like you have, you have the support, because you need a support group, right, that's going to help you when you need it, that's not going to judge you? Do you? I mean, do you have, do you have rules that you've set out, like, to, I have a set, I have a set of, of, do's and don'ts that I kind of live by now mm-hmm. um, to to monitor where I'm at and, you know, help me stay sane. Yeah. Um, I think I've just slowly been trying to whittle away, uh, you know, bad habits that I have. Like, right. Um, stop staying up late. Stop uh, spending so much time on the internet. Stop, uh, like, this year. Stop wasting your time. Stop drinking. Yeah, I've... Try like trying to reduce my sugar intake, and most of that's probably Does that help? soda. So, well, I've only been doing that for about a week, but I mean, yeah, I feel pretty good. I feel more energized. That's um, good. Yeah, just you know, working on one bad habit at a time. Right. <laughs> I feel yeah. like 
that's kind of a good step to self-improvement instead of okay fix everything all at once which is what i've kind of tried to do all before like yeah i can do this and then it's, it's and then you fail and two you, or three you days feel, and you like feel like terrible about yourself one thing slips up and then <laughs> everything unravels <laughs> so i um do you know who david goggins is Oh yeah, D. Gog. No, I don't no. know him. He's a he's a former Navy SEAL and all this stuff, and he's oh, was one, he the uh, make your bed speech? No, 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 no. no. Oh, that's a former Navy. He's guy. he's one of the best. Um, ex, uh, he does ultra running. Um, and that sounds exhausting. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, he just he just put out a new book, and I've I bought it and I'm listening to it. Um, cause I drive a lot, so I do audiobooks. Um, but one of the things that he says in the book, which I totally think correlates to dealing with depression and PTSD and that sort of stuff is, um, you have to have a, a truth mirror or a, you know, a no BS mirror where you look in and you're hundred percent honest with yourself, you know? So I'm fat. I got to call myself fat in the mirror, like, and then make changes, right. To, you know, if you're a liar, a cheater, whatever, whatever you are, you know, it's a, it's a, a truth mirror, you know? And I think, I think that's kind of what, what you need as, as you go through the depression and PTSD and that sort of stuff is you got to be honest with yourself and, and then have people that you trust that you can be honest with also so they can support you when you need it. Do you've, do you feel that way? Do you feel like that's kind of, I mean, it sounds like that's what you're kind of doing. Yeah. I think there is some semblance right. to my own methods and that. Right. It's tough. It's a, it's a tough uh, thing to deal with. Yeah. It's pretty much an uphill battle. Right. Right. I think most, most people's lives are going to be an uphill battle. You know? Yeah. You know, I think everybody, I think an issue that, we have as humans as we kind of look at the garbage that we're going through, you know, whether it's depression or whatever it is. Um, and we look at our situation and then we look at people that we see out there and we're like, man, they don't have any issues. Why do I have all the issues? When in actuality, we all have our own different issues. Maybe their issue is something totally different, you know? Um, and that's kind of helped me deal with it because I can, you know, when I, when I get feeling sorry for myself, like, man, you know, poor me, I, <laughs> I get to go through this or I get, to, you know, and when I start comparing myself to other people then I kind of got to take a step back and go, wait, you know what? They just don't have the same issue I have, but they got their own set of issues that I don't want, you know? Um, so I think that's a, a good um, thing to recognize also is that like you say everyone has their own uphill battle that they're going to have you know my problems are my problems your problems are your problems and we're all going to have our own struggles that we get get to learn from and yeah all and that. one thing that I've really I think I've improved on is um, kind of acknowledging when my problems are within or what what aspects are within my locus of control and what what isn't right I think okay, I keep getting to work late because there's traffic. Well, I can't control the traffic, but I can I can get up five minutes earlier and leave five minutes earlier. Right. I think, 
Um, so kind of having a realistic focus of, you know, there's people like it's not healthy to say everything's out of my control. I right. uh, Nothing's uh, my fault. Yeah. That's <laughs> immature and juvenile. And right. at the same time, like taking on everything, like thinking that everything is like everything is within your control, be it like due to karma or um, whatever it is that makes you think that right. you, know, you, you just narcissism. I don't know. Something that makes it think like everything is, is a result of what you've done. Like, that's also not healthy. So kind of finding a happy healthy, healthy middle ground. Yeah. Okay. This, and then, you know, once you have that realistic perspective, kind of working with that, you know, working in and out and, okay this is within and then like network getting tasks or assignments it's like okay i can do this much of this and then from there it's a different department's perspective and so once it's with them i'm not going to stress over it right until it gets back to you and you do your another part or whatever the case is right right Right. yeah only stress about the stuff that you have control over Mm -hmm. stuff that's out of your control you're just wasting you're wasting precious stress. <laughs> so, well, I, I appreciate you joining me tonight and um, being so open about about your struggles with depression oh, yeah. and thanks all that. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's if you've been, made it this far, good. thanks for listening to my voice. It's broken. I've been uh, been getting over a cold. So yeah. that <laughs> happens. It's winter. It just turned off cold here in Arizona. Oh yeah, got down to like thirty degrees last night. No, it's, it's freezing. That's not what I signed up for. <laughs> living in Arizona. <laughs> I don't think you signed up to live in Arizona. I think your parents <laughs> did. At this point, you probably do, though. So. Yeah, I mean, if I really wanted to, I could go elsewhere and scrape out some meager living as a janitor or yeah. burger flipper. Hey, that those are good. Those are important jobs. Yeah. So you do you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. But I appreciate coming on here, being being open about it. Um, so I, I really do appreciate oh, it. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for yeah. giving me this opportunity yeah. to make my voice heard. And all that <laughs> jazz. Yeah, just bring some, uh, you know, the whole goal of the podcast is to, to um, you know, bring awareness to struggles that people have. And, and you know, you're not, you're not the only one that struggles with it. Yeah, I struggle with it. I think everyone struggles with depression at, at some point. Um, maybe not to the extent that you do, but... Everyone can kind of understand that. And I think we learn a lot when we hear other people's struggles and how they handle it and how they get through it. So I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. So uh, for for all the audience, um, stay tuned for my next episode. Um, It will be coming out next week. So thanks, and we'll see you. Bye. Peace.